get to learn and that is amazing and divya is just amazing in herself she has 15 jobs she is also she doesn't have 15 jobs i just i i exaggerate everything y'all i exaggerate everything and she's a podcast host and she just does fantastic she just does fantastic and and she knows the teach pretty well yes <laughs> She also sent me a happy birthday video, too, and I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you very much for that. Today, your well, daily meeting, so if this is your first time coming here, for one, you get to see Divya's hair flowing, ever flowing, so congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. You've been blessed today. Now you can die. You've been blessed, okay? <laughs> Should I just tie my hair off? No, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Two, that uh, the theme of the energy is here, moving forward well. Okay? Moving forward well. Moving forward well. Who remembers how Earl Nightingale defines success? Who remembers? It's actually pretty good. Okay, we got three. Two, go ahead, Law and Grace, because everybody should talk about them. Success is defined by man or woman. Whatever you feel it is that you're doing is what success is because you decided it. No, ain't nothing wrong with that. And that's actually true. That's actually very true. That's actually very true. Very true. Uh, Grace? What is it? He said success is the realization of a worthy ideal. Look at you acting like you, you, you be oh, meditating I, this stuff. I listen to Brother Earl more than once. <laughs> okay, okay. You acting like you ain't no Generation Xer. You act, you know, you Generation X folk. Y'all ain't got no common sense, you know. What? You know, you you, to, you try to be wise like boomers, but you act like millennials. You understand? <laughs> Okay, so okay, now okay, you just you just described us. We're like middle schoolers. One day we want to be babies, one day we want to be grown. That's it. So one day we're millennials, one day we're we're boomers. That's it. That is accurate. Where is Reggie? I hope he hears that about himself. I hope he hears that about himself. Yes. Yes. The baby Lord. boomers the baby boomers feel that way too. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, Earl Nightgale is 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 Dean of motivation. They they gave him that that nickname. So you you, you got to respect Earl Nightingale. If, if if you don't, you automatically do because half the people talking today sound like Napoleon Hill, and a quarter of them sound like Earl Nightingale. So, so that's <laughs> go ahead, Phil. Well, I shared this with the group before, but in case you weren't on the call, I spent some time with uh, Earl. And in 1973, he literally said, Phil, it's un-American to buy an American car. And I went, what you talking about? I didn't do that. <laughs> he, says, he says, the American cars are built on what's called planned obsolescence. So back then, if your car had over 50,000 miles on it, you got rid of it because you knew everything was about to break down. So you went and bought a new one. He said, the Japanese are building their cars based on quality. And if we keep voting for planned obsolescence, we keep, we'll keep getting planned obsolescence. So we need to vote for quality by buying Japanese cars. 
This was in 1973. Well, a lot of that is still true. You were just a child. <laughs> yeah, you buddy. can see a picture on we on our website of Phil with him. Wow, amazing, yeah. amazing! Wow. I was not so lucky. I met Earl Nightingale on YouTube, and that is as close as I got to him <laughs> after his death. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. Yes, but no, he is fantastic, fantastic. Well, the reason I brought that up because I define success, it's not differently because prosperity has one voice. Yeah, I've heard me say that before, right? Because I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to say it forever. All right? Prosperity has one voice. A lot of times, y'all just need third-party validation to get what somebody else been telling you. Like Phil been saying something the whole time, and then you go watch some other video about speaking. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, well. Human Consult has been telling you that every time they judge somebody, but, but you know, stuff like that. Third-party validation. Anyone living in prosperity and deliberately creating their lives, those were two major qualifiers that I just said, okay? Living in prosperity, that's loaded, Jerome. It's so loaded, I'm not even going to break it down because we'd be here for 16 weeks, okay? And deliberately creating their reality. That's also loaded, but that's been broken down by Abraham Hicks so well and, and others and Neil Donald Walsh that, you know, if y'all got some, if you hear, even heard of the vortex, then that, that kind of simplifies it there. Anyone living in their prosperity or deliberately creating that reality, we all say the same stuff. It's the truth. It comes out differently but we say the same stuff. For me, success is divided into three pieces or split into three pieces. This has nothing to do with me trying to be different or trying to be unique. This is just my experience through prosperity. Success is anyone who sets a target and then hits that target well, those are three different parts. Anyone who sets a target and then hits that target, well, let me just kindly, gently, I'm like, I'm going I'm to hurt your feelings slash inspire you like Joel Osteen would at the same time. Most people don't even have a set target. <laughs> there's no target set whatsoever. They don't know what they want to do and they typically don't figure it out until they're 45 after a major loss of a relationship and they figure, they, I wasted 40 years of my life. I'm 45 years old. I have nothing to show for it. Anybody said anything like that besides being 45 years old? I just did this. I have nothing to show for it. I got my hand up first. It's all good. It's all good. You can't, you can't be successful without failure. If, you, if you're trying to be successful with no failures, then you're absolutely not successful. That's not the way it works. Ying and yang. You need both. Okay? You need both. You, you, you can't have eyes and also see all the time. That's not the way it works. If that was the case, your eyes would be dry because your eyelids would not exist. Okay? You just... 
<laughs> this universe has its place for valleys. And valleys are not only mandatory, but they're also the highest point of the, oh, excuse me, valleys are also the lowest point of the peak. They're connected. In your valley, the only thing you have to do in the valley to find the peak is go to the lowest point of the peak, which is also the highest point of the valley. Oh, that was a secret word. <laughs> yes, ma'am, but then go ahead, Phil. Okay, I think she was sick. Go ahead, Phil. Well, Nixon, who happened to be a Capricorn, the last thing he said when he got off of the uh, from the White House lawn to leave for the last time, he said, "You have to be in the lowest valley to appreciate the highest peak." That's facts. That's facts. That's absolute facts. Divya, I have a question for Phil. My yours just perked up when he said Capricorn, so I'd be very interested at the mention of that with respect to and in context of the topic being spoken, because I'm one myself. Well, the, Capric the Capricorn is the mountain goat. The Capricorn yes. is, the, is, the, is the climber, is the, yeah. is the one that travels around. Yes, Capricorn also happens to be this zodiac, um, the 10th of the zodiac, which is uh, rooted in the ground, but also has the ability to grow spiritually while staying grounded. Uh, it's, it's the sign that um, we find it most comfortable on top of the mountain, like Phil just mentioned, and which is why we call it mountain goats. We're very good at taking slow, steady, sure steps consistently till we make it to the top and we don't rest until then. And um, yeah, I think in these times, we are one of those blessed people through our hardships, like the low points that you just mentioned, um, to be able to uh, achieve that growth for ourselves and uh, everything else that you've been mentioning, I think, uh, kind of just falls in place. So uh, yeah, it was really interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, and I think one of Earl Nightingale's definition for success, I think it was him, is progressive realization of a worthy goal. Of a worthy goal, yep. I think he, yep. that's one that he said. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. First off, thank you, Divya. I love Eastern thought because half of what's up here, more than half, is Eastern philosophies. I'm telling you. I'm, tell, I'm just I'm just telling you, it's, it's the truth. But you got to remember, the world started in the East. <laughs> world started in the East, and and the the wisdom is both free and trapped in the East, trapped in a good way, you know, with monuments and traditions and you know all sorts of stuff, sacred texts, just plenty of things, plenty of things. So good job there. If you set a target, now that puts you doing better than most people on planet Earth. But it ain't enough just to set it, Jerome. You got to hit it. Oh, let me talk right here for a minute. Yeah, buddy. Law, deliver me from the folk 
who set targets and think they're doing a good job. That's not enough, y'all. There's too many, too many of you listening to me now. I ain't talking about them outside. It ain't enough to say, I'ma do it, and then I put no appropriate actions behind it. It's not enough. No, 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 no. Those kind of people always confuse better with I'm doing good. These are not the same things. Phil would tell you good is the enemy of great. Okay? No. Don't confuse doing better with desired results. Those are not the same things. But I did better. So that means nothing. Did you hit the target? Okay, did you hit the target? You have to set it, and then you have to do what is required to hit it, no matter what it takes. Quitters don't hit targets, and you can't hit a target blind. You got to get some education. Uh huh. Some targets you need a mentor for. Some targets make you grow out to them. What's his name? Jim Rohn said. Hey, business owners. Did you know that over 4.2 billion people are active on social media now? That means if you want to connect with your customers and find new ones, you need social. If you want to build loyalty and stand out from the competition, you need social. And if you want to make using social media easier and more impactful, you need Hootsuite. Hootsuite is the must-have tool for managing and growing your business on social. Hootsuite makes it easy to find your audience, whether on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, or Pinterest. You can schedule content, publish posts, and track your success all in one place. Millions of businesses around the world are already using Hootsuite to supercharge their social efforts. And now, it's your turn. Go to www.hootsuite.com slash B2B to start your free trial and get 50% off your first year. That's H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash B2B for a free 30-day trial and 50% off your first year. If you don't grow out to money, money will dwindle down to you. Ooh, hurt my feelings when I first heard that. Because he was talking to me. It's like, <laughs> I don't care nothing about the room full of people he was in. I felt like he was singling me out. <laughs> oh, man. He said that in the 80s at a network marketing company. He showed up, said it to me sometime 2016 or 2015 or whatever. He was talking to me. He talking about me, Jerry. He talking about me. If you don't grow out to money, you don't grow out to money. Money and grow down to you. Right. You gotta you gotta know. <laughs> Hurt my feelings. It's the truth though. It is the truth. Money always finds its level. Bob Proctor, who in my opinion is the greatest teacher to ever exist on planet Earth as far as teaching of money. Okay. This, nobody teaches better than Bob Proctor. I'm biased, of course, but I ain't going to be too many people that disagree with me. What a great teacher this guy is. He really does teach these things so well. Bob Proctor says, 
that you will never make more money than what is in your awareness. Not a penny more. Not a penny more. You can never make a penny more than your awareness. Hurt my feelings, Law, when he said that. Because at the time, I was making $9.75 an hour. See, see, everybody can't, yeah, yeah, everybody can't take that. How I'm going to be smart and make $9.75 an hour. It was Bob Proctor who taught me there's a difference between intellect and awareness. Those are two different things. Those are not the same thing. You can be intellectually savant. You can be an intellectual genius. You can have a doctor's degree and have the awareness of a middle schooler. Education is not awareness. Intellect is not awareness. And a lot of you are receiving what I'm saying right now in your intellect, but not in your awareness. There are some people that you would call dumb that know how to make more money than everybody in this room, Zoom room combined. I'll give you an example, then I'll comment on law. Floyd Mayweather. We know Floyd Mayweather can't read. None of you are waiting for the Floyd Mayweather biography written by himself. None of you are trying to go to a Floyd Mayweather seminar. None of you are typing in YouTube for Floyd Mayweather motivational videos. But he knows how to make $500 million in 30 minutes. Intellect and awareness are not the same thing. 36 minutes, 12 three-round fights. Okay. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. It, it is, it's incredible. It is incredible. He is a billionaire boxer. That makes no sense. That doesn't make sense. A lot of preparation. A lot of preparation. Man. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it doesn't make sense whatsoever, but that's what he does. Say that quote again. Bob Proctor says, you would never make, yeah, you would never make a penny more than your consciousness. Never. Never, never, never. So my definition of success is anybody who sets that target then hits that target. Now, this is where I got to slap myself, Jerome. But then you got to hit that target well. See, let me tell you what my problem was. My problem was I was a hitter of targets, Jerry. And I ain't give a damn about nobody. I will hit that target. Instead, whether you liked it or not, I was going to hit that target. I dare you tell me what I couldn't do. I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to win. That's not success. It's not success. If in your success, you also create your downfall at the same time, that's not success. Uh-oh. Law said I had the same problem. In my success, I consistently also created my downfall that would happen three months from now, one month from now, three years from now, and it would happen at the moment of my, moment of my success. Go ahead, Deanna. 
are you about to get to the point to where you moved out of that and how you did that? Oh, massive pain. Massive pain. <laughs> Please don't think that I levitated myself to some positive moment. Nope, that's not what happened. That is, I don't know how y'all change. <laughs> Lose it fixes me. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. Lost in my disability. This is what I'm happened. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. So while you're going through the process, I know you're going to talk about it, but while you're going through that process and the pain is so deep that there's no way out but up out of it, right? So you're looking for something different. Is there something that inspired you? Is there something that someone said? Um, how did you get the help to get out of that situation? Because most of the time people can't do it by themselves. No doubt. For me, I'll give you two answers. They're both for the same answer, but they're two different points in my life. One is in 2001. One is in, actually, I'll give you three answers. One is in 2001. One is in 2005. One is in 2012. Those are the major three turning points in my life. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, in 2001, I was four years old or something because I was adopted at 14. So I just learned how to be civilized. You got to remember that I spent my first 14 years of my life uncivilized as a warrior. You you have to think about that psychologically. So I go 14 to 18 being civilized and I don't handle that well. In 2001, I become an E5 in the United States Army. And Jerome understand this. Yeah, I start off as an E1. I joined the Army August 2nd, 2000. September 1st, 2002, I was promoted to E5, Jerome. Not going to PLDC. I know. Y'all could you could line up a hundred people on the wall, and only one of them would do that. And I was the one. I was the one. I was the one. And then I had to get my rank suspended the next year because I did something stupid. It doesn't matter. I was outsmarted. Okay. Suspended means they could have took it, but they didn't take it. But if I messed up. For 45 days, I had, to, I had you know, I, I was on 45, 45, Jerome. You know, the 45 days paid with gone with taking, 45 days extra duty. Jerome knows what I'm talking about. Article 15, Article 15. Okay. <laughs> but in 2001, Carol, what changed me was not some outer inspiration. It was a public embarrassment of losing publicly. I'm taking troops to war, but I can't get paid. And I'm punished. And when you get punished in the army, it's a public punishment. Ain't no such thing in no private. They don't, they know, y'all, ain't no private punishments in the army. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> so here I am at E5 doing what regular soldiers doing, and I gotta lead them. Which made it easy for the E6 because I here had to do that, right, Jerome, the fire guard. You know what I'm saying? He had to do that because I is the E5 on duty, which is very rare. So it was the public embarrassment that I put myself through by letting by making a bad decision. That's what changed me in 2001. Had nothing to do with me being, oh, nope. Had everything to do with me being embarrassed. Some of y'all need to be embarrassed a bit more. Okay? Some of you just never lost. 
And you can't win without no real losses. You just can't. 2005, I get very angry at somebody, and I try to go off with their head. Facts. I did. I was right out the Army. I was shell-shocked. I got angry. I try to go off with their head. And now I'm sitting in jail. Okay? No, literally. Like, it's not a metaphor. I mean, literally sitting in jail. Okay? I don't know what time it is because ain't no clocks nowhere. You, you, you got to go to jail to understand. And right there, I sit down, Carol, with all that brilliance. Here I am, a military intelligence spy, right out, veteran. And I'm sitting in jail. The hell is, what the, that doesn't make no sense. One of the smartest people on planet Earth, according to the United States Army. And I'm sitting in jail. So the second biggest transformation in my life was, I am not living up to my potential. Another public embarrassment. <laughs> do, you, do you understand the sense? Okay. <laughs> so in that cell, I sit there and I go, I probably need to stop learning. Learn. I need. I probably need to start winning without losing so much. This is this is fact. This is what I say to myself. I'm really, I really need to calm the hell down. This is what I what I say. And you had that moment too, having your grace. How many of you had anger problems and you messed up every blessing you ever had until you got it together? This guy, this guy, <laughs> Carol, I couldn't wait to, Carol be like, oh my God, you can have this. Oh, thank you so much. Boom. I lost it that fast on myself, on purpose. Professional loser, Antonio, breaking that stuff and the relationship with you, right? All, all sorts of crazy stuff. 2012 was different. 2012 was objectively the worst year of my life ever, ever, because Everything that I was trying to do was in the garbage. Everything I wasn't trying to do was taking off well. It's incredible. I was I was doing 40 hours a week internship at Lakewood Church. And that was taking off exceedingly. And I wouldn't even try to do none of that stuff. I was doing 19 hours a semester at HBU. Number one in my class, well, at least president on the society. I don't think I was number one to uh, under, I mean, upper grad. But then my personal life, oh, that was what Reggie calls dumpster juice. Oh yeah, I I didn't have a single positive relationship in my life, Jerry. Not one. So the stuff I'm not trying to do is working out well, but the stuff I'm trying to do is just just do do. Right? It's just garbage. And then I meet Joel Osteen, and then they takes me through this one year of character transformation. And finally, after nine months of complaining, and I'm, no, ca all caps complaining. Like, oh, man, I'm sitting in the largest church in America, running 20,000 people, like managing 20,000 people. Immediately make an impact. Got favor. I'm the only person that can do graphics outside of the Lakewood media team. I don't even have to be on campus like everybody else because they got me so good. And they put me in charge of a ministry that's still in existence today for Mama Doty. That's uh, Joel Osteen's mom. Okay. 
So I'm literally running Lakewood with no experience, just on gift, talent, and hustle. And I'm complaining the whole time. I'm complaining the whole time. And then in Miami, I'm talking to this dude. He go, y'all know what Berkeley is? Not familiar with Berkeley? No, Grace, Google, show your screen and Google Berkeley. Because you're not going to get the story until you, until you understand what Berkeley is. It, the story won't make sense if you don't if you don't know what Berkeley is. I'm sitting in Miami because we do the Night of Hope with Joel Osteen, and it was the first time the Marlins. This is the this was the first year the Marlins stayed in new stadium, new stadium, and it's the day before, and we're drinking Virgin Daiquiris. Go ahead. Can you spell that for me? Oh. Well, just just type in Berkeley. Yeah, just take Google to take care of you. Okay, because it says city in California. I don't know. <laughs> just, Fair yeah. enough. Put in, <laughs> put in prestigious university. Oh, okay, okay. Let's see, Berkeley. What came up for you? Uh, UC Berkeley ranked world number one. Okay, there you go. Let me see it. Put it on okay. the screen. Put it on the screen. So this is guy. The whole time. Okay. Retains the title of the world's number one public and fourth best overall university, U.S. News. Right, it's just, I mean, click it. Click it, yo. Click it. Just click it. Click it. You know, it's just, and this this whole time, Carol, I'm talking to this guy. I think this guy's a freaking loser, okay? Because he really was. He really was. Because I'm from the streets. Ain't nobody got time for all that positivity stuff. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody that positive. Yeah, come on. Don't act like y'all don't nobody like me. Right? Ain't nobody that happy. <laughs> Ain't nobody that happy. You know what I'm saying? All, all that my stuff. Dang town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, all that stuff. And he sits there. He tells me the story how he come from New York. So he's he's he's. So the way the internship work is, you do. You do one year, and then they have to ask you to come back the second year. That's not the same thing. You apply the first year. 25,000 people apply, 20 people to get the 20 to 25 people to get the internship. But then the second year, no, they pick from who they want to pick from. And it depends on a lot of factors. Then the third year, you become a mentor. So he was in a mentor role. He was in a mentor role means he's been around Lakewood in the intern position for three years. He's in, the, he's in the mentor role. Loser to me. And this man sits down and he begins to tell me how he applied. He was going to Juilliard because he's got a great singing voice, musical talents. And he really wanted to go to do music and do music well. And all of a sudden, Berkeley calls. Now he's got to get from New York to California. He's got no money whatsoever. He puts all his belongings in the car, and he drives literally from coast to coast to go to Berkeley, only to find out that he would both pass and flunk out at the same time. It's, it's, 
And at his lowest moment, Lakewood calls and does an internship. But now he broke again. Okay. So now he's got to drive from California to Texas, which is a culture shock in itself. Okay. New York to California, that's not too much of a culture shock. California to Texas, New York to Texas, these are culture shocks. And these are not the same thing. These are not the same thing at all. He goes to Texas, applies for the internship, and doesn't know if he got it. So now he's homeless. And if he doesn't get the internship, you don't know what he's going to do. And the whole time, he's sitting there with faith. And he says, I'm not going to complain about my situation. I'm not going to complain. And of course, the rest is history. He becomes one of the top people at Lakewood. Today, I'll show you who he is. I'll show you who he is. It'll make sense. I'll show you who he is. But today... You know, he is successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sitting there going, I thought she was a loser. Because he's one of those, we would call them prissy or sedity. You know, this is this how I perceived him. You understand? This is, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. He was carting on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> You know, <laughs> he was costed. You, you understand what I'm saying? So I just, I ain't want nothing to do with him. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and he, he tell that story. I said, man, I must be a real judgmental cuss word. I really got to get my stuff together, okay? <laughs> and then it dawns on me. Sitting there, we're on the beach. In Miami, Florida, the pier is literally, if the pier failed, we just went in the water. I ain't paid for a dime because that's part of the internship. We're going into the Florida Marlins Stadium, and I came out the trash can, and it dawns on me. I ain't never been to Miami. This is actually good. Why am I turning my peaks into valleys? That's the last time I did it. Sitting there. You know how ungrateful you have to be to be favored by Joel Osteen and all the staff and to get free trips to Miami and complain? You got to be real ungrateful to do stuff like that. So that's what happened to me, Cal. You understand? <laughs> Every time I've ever changed, it's been because losses. It has never been because I read a book. You understand? Let me put it in Christian talks. It's a lot of y'all's on the phone. I ain't never read the Bible and got saved. Sugar. And ain't nobody in the history of mankind ever read the Bible and got saved. As much as y'all want to say that's what happened. That ain't what happened. Ain't nobody picked up no Bible and said, oof, I get it. No. You did something bad. Somebody forgave you. And then you said, wow, I didn't deserve that. That God of that Bible must be a real big deal. Now let me see what's going on there. 
Nobody ever read nothing and changed. Nobody. You change because your perception changed through some sort of loss. Somebody should have took your head off and they forgave you. Then you say, oh, maybe my grandmother God is real. Who know what I'm talking about? If 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 I could read the sacred text and change, then all of us would be changed. All of you know, bumped across one of them at least once. And that ain't changing nobody. You don't change until you change. These words don't mean nothing until you mean something to yourself. So when you hit a target and you hit that target, now you got to hit it well. It is not enough, ladies and gentlemen, to say I did it if you did it with a bad attitude. Oh, somebody just hit me in chat. I'm going to read what they said. It's private. It says, my fear of criticism is because of my fear of losing because I've never lost in my life. Even when I didn't get blank, 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 I still got to get the reward of what I didn't actually get. So there was never, ever a public display of loss in my life. A lot of y'all don't hear like that. A lot of y'all, if you mess up right now, you can go to your mama's house. Yeah, you go to your daddy's house, go to your grandmother's house, got a backup plan. Some of us ain't got no backup plan. Some of y'all, you the only person of your family in your whole state. <laughs> the whole state. <laughs> and you don't even talk to your family. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just enough to set a target, and it's not just enough to hit a target. I thought that's what life was about. I set it, I hit it. What? No. Because if I set it and hit it, but I pushed everybody else down on the way to it, I got to pay for that. If I set it and I hit it, but I hit it and had a bad attitude the whole time, nobody wants to work with me no more. You can't apply any other principles on how to win friends and influence people with a bad attitude. Not one. That's not one. That's, 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 it's, a, it's some timeless principles in that book. I'm probably going to bring it up a thousand times a year because I want all of you to read it at least twice a year. And man, one of them, allow me that colloquialism, okay? Can you have a bad attitude and get stuff done? and win friends and influence people. I feel like I got to say something. Yes, sir. So what about if you're trying to hit your target and goal and the people that you're fighting for is pulling you back, which can be friends, family, coworkers, and more. I feel like that would be a tremendous value to what you're talking. Oh, he's over here dancing. <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like you're trying to help the people today. I've got two answers for you. They're both the same thing. One is an intellectual answer. One is an answer of awareness. Okay, I'm just going to talk to the two crowds that's listed. Tip say it's so early for this. If you helping people and 
those people are holding you back. You need to decide for yourself, are they really holding me back? Or are you only helping them because you don't want to be successful? You only want to use them as an excuse to lose because you're more afraid of winning than losing. And that's in most cases intellectually. If you could, listen, his, his question was consistently. If you can sit with it feels the other day, if you burn, put your hand on the hand and you ain't get no pain, I mean, you, you put your, you know, your hand on something hot and you ain't get no pain, you're going to sit there until it starts sizzling, until you smell yourself. So if you keep looking for the pain and knowing this pain and consistently knowing that they're going to hold you back and you keep doing it, you're just going to have to decide for yourself intellectually that's what you want. You have no intentions on winning. You want to get so close that you can blame other people for your failures. Because you don't want to... I didn't even sleep the last night. <laughs> It's a little off the topic, but I feel Chris with what he's saying. Yeah. And it seems like um, I know what I want and I'm going after it. So, of course, everything, I don't know if I should say this like this, but I feel like everything and everybody is trying to attack me. Um, and I'm just trying to be, my whole job is to be of service to people to help them. Yeah. However, if I start getting hurt in the process, um, it, it puts me in this this bad funk of a state of trying, and I think it's just that we need to do this anger podcast ASAP, but if it's putting me in a state where I'm trying to hit my mark, but y'all keep playing, <laughs> people keep playing. Like, seriously, I just, somebody stole a $600 heat presser from me. They were supposed to use it for two weeks. They had it for over a month. And it's like, I'm, I make money off that too. So I'm losing money and to ask for it back. And now they're ghosting me or not saying, and it's like, if I get out of pocket and I've tried to address them appropriately and they're just seriously being smart, you're putting me up with my back up against the wall to make decisions. So every, every time I go through something like this and it keeps happening consistently with different people. So it's like, I get stuck in the part where it's like, all right, I want to act out of my flesh and I want to address it the way I feel like they deserve it. But the moment I do, it always jeopardizes everything. My character has to be a certain yeah. way. Eyes are on me, all these different, different things. So it's just like, I don't know if I'm influencing people or really <laughs> so your so your answer is in the second one. <laughs> Go ahead, Reese. Yeah, if I may, and it, you could probably articulate this a lot better than than I could. Um, and if you don't understand what I'm saying, like there's no way that I'm going to be able to articulate it. So I'm just going to speak from my experience, which is that I I have this. I've had this issue my whole life, right? And I get angry and then like I react. And for me, like going back to what you were talking about way at the beginning of the call about, I, I actually don't know if you were talking about at the beginning of the call. I was thinking about it at the beginning of the call. Um, if intrinsically, on a deep intrinsic level, you feel like oh, man, these entitled-ass people, they keep doing this, they keep doing that. In your mind, you're always going to be the more responsible, suffering one that has to put up with all these people. And there's, like, this space 
between where you level up, where you get mad, and then there's another level where it's just not worth it to get angry anymore. But you can't skip that space in between where you suddenly become forgiving or it doesn't bother you. You got to be angry enough to be able to see what's going on and use that to change your internal state. And then those situations around you change because those kinds of people, they, they, they look for a certain target to do that with. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't act entitled with everyone all the time. Oh, yeah, you're they target. People. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want to be the same people. So you got to figure out what it is in yourself. And when I say figure out, I don't mean mentally, right? Where yeah. you've allowed them to uh, take up some real estate, you know what I'm saying, in your, in your vortex when they can't handle rent. Oh, sorry. Ain't paying no rent and they ain't got real estate. So therefore, her answer is in the second one too. So let's recap the first one so I can bless y'all because there's two different people here. Intellectual and awareness. How you gonna catch this here? From an intellectual standpoint, some of y'all, and somebody look, somebody already confessed the private message. Oh my God, I've been using my mama for that very reason subconsciously. Damn, all caps. And what was they be using their mom? They be using their mom as an excuse not to win. They just want to get so close that they can blame somebody else, so they don't have to have responsibility for their life. Out of fear. No mm -hmm. doubt, no doubt. We use religion that way too. But I'm gonna come back to that after Sugar talk. Go ahead, Sugar. Uh, Reese, angry. You, you mentioned angry several different times. And angry or anger is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations towards yourself innerly or those people that you allow to keep doing these things to you. So you have to kind of understand that there are people that want to continue to push your buttons, press your buttons through their unhappiness, through their failures, just so they can see if they can move you because they are so unhappy with their lives. And you've got to set those boundaries. If this is something that keeps happening, there's got to be some boundaries uh, that's got to be set. There's got to be some limitations to what you allow people to use that free rent in your head and they're not paying no bill. No doubt. Yep. So, Dr. Sugar, could you just repeat that first part again? Just anger is unmet expectations. Can you say that again for me? Yeah, anger is unmet expectations. You're expecting somebody to do something for you. You're expecting because you did this, you're expecting them to uh, give back to you or, or, or do something because you did this and they don't do it. So it angers you, but then you forgive you do it again, and then you get angry again. It's not, you know, you've got, that's why you have to set those boundaries. It's unmet expectations, and you've got to look and see, why do I keep allowing this to happen? Mm. Mm. Why do I keep letting these people anger me? Mm. Because Very I'm powerful. angry. They got what they want. I'm angry. You know, it's like a, in a relationship. If all he wanted to do was get between the sheets, 
You allow that to happen, and then you want to go to dinner or go somewhere else, and now he don't have time. That angers you. That's unmet expectations. You didn't think that by giving it up, he was just going to play you like he played you. That's stop. That's stop. you have to stop giving people free rent in your head, mm. in mm. your heart. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Thank you. Antonio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Antonio. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any emotional reaction to it, but you keep having the problem and you just like a little bit irritated, you know what I'm saying? Like I was saying that the anger is a necessary part of the process. You need to know how you feel in order to go through that, in order to grow through that. So my second answer is going to bless y'all. You, you high level of awareness people that keep suffering from this, that second answer is your blessing. And Reese just touched up on it. Go ahead, Chris. All right, this is going to be your alley, your alley oop after you get through with this. You ready yes, for more fuel? Yes, sir. After you answer those, I feel like I'm doing my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> after you answer those questions, I feel like this question would be great value. So when is the right time to be selfish so that you can move forward towards your career Every time. goals? Every day of your life. Every day of your life. I didn't even have to think about that one. Every day of your life. Every day of your life is to be selfish. Every single day. Stop letting poor people hijack the word selfish. Okay, stop that. You stop that. You stop that right now. Your heart Rolling. is <laughs> yes. Your heart is literally beating blood in your chest right now, and it ain't thinking about Jerome. It is not saying, "Oh man, I should probably pump less so we can go help Jerome." No, your heart is selfish, so you can live. You understand? And every organism in your body is selfish, so you can live. Your brain is so selfish that you can go into a coma and your brain has one job to live and your brain calls that prosperity. And your brain would keep you in a coma with other people wiping your doo-doo off of you. And you got bed sores and your brain would stay alive for 30 years in a coma selfishly so you can live. Everything about y'all is selfish, but not the way they've hijacked the word. You have to be whole before you start messing with other folk. Because if you have and you see Jerome in his wholeness, you're not going to like that. And you're going to shoot Jerome because you're mad at his wholeness. So instead of, instead of selfish, let's say self-full. You could... Say however, whatever works for you. Don't don't bother me. Self full, full of self. However y'all want to say it, I like it. It had good energy on it. I ain't tripping. But what you need to do is you need to say, I am Carol. I am the finest thing on planet Earth. This Earth is blessed to have me. I am blessed to have it. And I would be a blessing to myself first. And people would get from me my overflow because I'm that fool. See, y'all walk out of here 30% fool. And then, folk, by 9 o'clock in the morning, you empty because somebody needed your help. Go ahead, Kara. I saw you unmute your mic. When, when, this is just my idea. This is the way I think it. But when you're selfish, you lack concern for others. 
So well, you're not that's that's what I'm trying not to say. That's why I said not right. the hijack way. Yeah. That's why I that word selfish, but um when you're self full, that means you're full. You're 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 whole. So you don't really have expectations for others. You don't need the expectations. You just have experiences. So you're sharing with them and then you need to know when, okay, this is not working for me here. I'm giving, but they're not receiving is more what it is. So if I'm giving and expecting to receive back, there's something that needs to be worked on there. And you shouldn't give that way in the first place. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Exactly. So, if so we can change the self. Listen, I don't care about words because they just vibrations. As long as the vibration ain't negative, then you can change whatever you want to change as far as I'm concerned. Go ahead, field and law. Yeah, I've got a 10 o'clock call, so I'm going to have to get off of this. But okay. if you go to Esther and Jerry Hicks Emotional Guidance Scale, anger is number 17 on the scale. Now you can drop down to 18, which is revenge, or you can move up to 16, which is discouragement. So where are you on the emotional guidance scale? Admit to where you are, and then what are you gonna think about where you are? Then what are you gonna be, Eckhart Tolle, be here now, or belief? A belief is just a thought you can thinking. Then what will you do? Then what will you have? Then what will you give? Think of a clock. 12 o'clock is feel, two o'clock is think, Four o'clock is B, six o'clock is do, eight o'clock is have, and 10 o'clock is give. So where are you on that circle and how can you continue to move around it as you manifest yourself onto the physical plane at this particular time in the time continuum? What's the name of that again, Phil? What's the name of that? Oh, the emotional guidance scale. You can, you can Google it and it'll come up. And it talks about where are you on the emotional guidance scale? Because you never want to deny your feelings. Because your feelings, that's the thermometer of your soul. And denying your feelings is like putting a sticker over the gas gauge of your automobile and saying, I'm not going to pay any attention to that information and see how far that gets you. You are where you are. It's when you don't admit where you are is when you start to understand you can't get to where you're going because the vibrations won't match. Because you're, you're out of vibration. All right? You heard that last part? You are where you are. If you don't admit that, you're making it worse. Account for where you are. Uh, I am. I, I am the most evil person on this call. The most vengeful. I well, will. Before we go there, I got to leave. Love you. <laughs> Love you, both, man. <laughs> That's why I don't do that. Because I've accounted for it. You understand what I'm saying? I accounted for it. All right, Law, come on. Because then I'm, I'm about to get this second answer so the act of being selfish was one of the most important lessons that i actually learned from my eldest brother he and i never had a great relationship growing up but he used to often tell me go ahead lord keep on being selfish keep on being selfish keep on being selfish and i was like why are you talking about being selfish i'm the one that everyone always comes from the one that's always helping someone and uh what he meant by that was continue doing what you feel is best for you Mind you, I was the first one to graduate college in my family. I was the first one to actually leave and travel the world. I was the first one to have a business. I was the first one to move out of, out of my mother's house and actually successfully be okay. 
And it wasn't to when I became disabled that I really understood what he meant by being selfish. Sometimes you just have to solely focus on you. You can't always take on your family's issues. You can't always take on your friends' issues. Those are the things that will bring you down. And that is the reason why I had the mental breakdown that I did have and led to being disabled for all those years. So sometimes you just got to be selfish. Yes, humans give meaning to words, but being selfish is a great thing. No, no doubt. And 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 if you heard self-full, use that word too, because they both work. They both they both work here. Now, let me give you a bonus before I answer the question. There's only one way to be unhappy. Y'all should write this down. There's only one way to be unhappy, and I'm probably somebody fit to shout all over this place. Whoever that all right. One way to be unhappy to live other people's thoughts for you. It's the only way to be unhappy. There's no other way. I simplified it for you. You ain't got to worry about it. (laughs) It's the only way. When you live a life that other people have decided for you, when you make a decision that other people have influence and it ain't yours, you will automatically be unhappy. There is no other way. That's a bonus. There's no other way. If you're currently unhappy, you are living someone else's thoughts and you're calling it life. All right, Reverend. Hold on now. See what I'm saying? Yeah, because I always, everybody knows, I tell my story of how I was teaching for 11 years and it was six years too long. Well, I love my parents to life. I do. And mom was a teacher. I'm talking about if you come to Galveston, Texas, and you come to Galveston ISD, and you hear, if you, if you go to somebody and say, do you know Mary Sandals? And they, oh, I just love her. And she's such a great teacher. And da, 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 da. And so mom, when my sister and I were going to college, she's like, y'all don't want to be teachers? Mm-mm, ma. Mm-mm. We don't have the patience. We're, we're good. We're good. And I started working for a program called Upper Bound at our community college that we have here at Galveston. And I was working with high school kids. And I liked working with them, you know, letting them know, hey, there's more to life than Galveston. Please get out of Galveston. Go to school. Go, go see the world, you know. And when I said, when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think I do like working with kids. But it was high school kids that I liked working with or whatever. So I was like, mom, you know what? I think I'm going to go into teaching. Oh, she was just happy, ladies, whatever. And I'm going to tell you all, that high school math test to teach ain't no punk. And I couldn't pass it because <laughs> it was, you know, it was kind of hard or whatever. So I said, okay, I can't do that. So I did the middle school and I passed it. So I was like, okay. So for one, I settled for what I didn't want because I wanted to teach high school kids, but I taught middle school kids and five years was good. And then that's when that voice said, okay, time to go, you know? And then, but what Antonio just said, when you live other people's thoughts for you, yeah, mom was so excited that I was teaching. I was doing good and everybody loved what I was doing, this and that and whatever. But yeah, I wasn't happy for six more years. I wasn't, I was happy for five years, but them other six years, mm-mm. <laughs> so, so, and when I finally came to my senses, hey, hey, you might want to, okay, yeah. Let me push that further. Some of y'all marriages is messed up because that's your mama marriage and not your own. How about that? How about that? Nah, how about that? <laughs> Some of y'all live in your parents' marriage. Every marriage, every relationship has its own rules. And just because that's how it was done for them, it's killing your union. But I ain't gonna bother nobody. Here's your second answer. 
Okay, here's your second answer. Then we're gonna let Divya teach us about the motherland of India. Yes, please. Yes, 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 yes. The second answer. Remember, the first one, the intellectual, was you just you just don't want to be successful. Here's the second one. And this is what y'all, because some of y'all, you do want to be successful. You you Reese does want to be. Chris does want to be, and Kiera does want to be. So that ain't that don't apply to you. You're missing something. And let me bless you. Nothing, no one does, ever stops or slows down your manifestations. You need to receive that. It's the last thing I ever needed to unlock my prosperity. Say that again. I'm to bless thee. <laughs> everybody say, say it again. Nothing. How about any... the recording? Nothing that anyone ever does can slow down or stop your your manifestations. It doesn't matter. Kiera's going to do a good job today and people are going to try to hold her back. It has no value or power to her emotions and what she is creating in her vortex. When y'all get this, you will not have to fight these people. You, Because what you're doing is some of you so woke, you're not fighting them. You're trying to fight what they're trying to do to you. You're trying to fight the harvest that's coming. You don't have to do that. If you just focus on what you're manifesting, they will fade away. Period. Universe will take care of them in the fastest, quickest, most harmonious way. They either catch up with you or they'll get some secret problem with you and leave. Let that be a blessing. Ooh. <laughs> when you fight the well, energy, a lot of, lot of attractive. Let's <laughs> say it again, Jerry. When you fight that energy, you're just attracting it. That's it. Listen, listen, y'all. Let me just say it one more time and get ready, Divya. Oh, listen, did you want to comment on this here, Divya, too? All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm going to say that after you repeat what you had. Okay, to. okay. When I realized that, in fact, let me just, Kiera, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling your power right now. When I realized no matter what they did, it did not stop my harvest. And it took a very long time for me to realize. I got that like four years ago. You understand? Real talk. I instantly unlocked a million-dollar deal. It was instant. It was – I didn't even – the people came and said, hey, we would like to do this for Les Brown. And I said, hey, well, let's structure something. I got my fame to claim with Les Brown because I just brought $34 million to the table and everyone else was costing him money. Straight like that. But it was at the moment when I realized they got their harvest 
Their problem with me is their harvest. Am I planting bad seeds? No. Therefore, their problem and they trying to hold me back intentionally, they never can. Because my thoughts plus my emotions equals my creations. And nobody can ever stand in the judgment of that, now or ever, or in the way of that, now or ever. You said, come on, Tabitha. I, I didn't know she said that, but I'm glad she did. Go ahead, Divya. You got the floor. Thank you. I mean, it is so interesting to kind of hear all of this and, you know, resonate every bit with what you're saying. I'd really like to also hear about, uh, you know, your, hear your thoughts on um, entitlement and divine timing, uh, you know, in, in manifestation, because I think, um, and I'd like to kind of share a little bit of my own story, uh, you know, kind of to take off from what you said about when the time is right, it'll all fade away and you just focus on your manifestation and that's all that you'll see in front of your eyes. And I think that's pretty much what happened with me as well. Like everybody else here, I think I spent a couple of decades of my life focusing on all the wrong things and being very emotionally, um, you know, entangled in, you know, what others had to say about me, what they thought about me, what they expected of me, you know, um, their acceptance of me and so on and so forth. And, uh, while I was struggling and it seemed like, you know, it felt like a hamster on a wheel, not being able to kind of get anywhere at all and nothing around me changing. Um, there was just this moment, I think it was a, a time frame of about a few weeks to a couple of months when everything just snapped and changed in, you know, in, in the snap of a finger. And uh, suddenly all these people who had been the focus, uh, you know, of my attention, um, suddenly seemed to fade it away. They were close family and friends, by the way. They, they still do exist and they still have their place. Uh, but what they had to say and the kind of influence they had on me suddenly faded away. And there were a lot of other more productive things that kind of took the center stage. And uh, I got very actively involved in all of those things. Uh, so it's very intriguing to me and very interesting to this day how that happened because I wasn't doing anything different, right? I think today, when I look back at those times, the only thing I probably did was to intend for it to change at a very subconscious level. It wasn't even like I was saying out to the universe, I intend and I decree for this to change at this moment. It wasn't that. It was just a subconscious intention that probably went out of me and uh, you know, things just changed from then on. So I would love to hear your thoughts about uh, entitlement and and uh, divine timing, you know, playing sure. a role in all of this. Got you. Someone sent me a private message that fits into this. This is a, a blessing to you. Someone said, damn, all caps, five exclamation points. I feel failing because I have to prove to my mom that I never needed her to be successful, but then turn around and subconsciously use her and how I feel like she treated me as the reason why I won't succeed. So let me use that to answer Divya's question. You are entitled to abundance. It is not something you have to earn. It is not something you have to fight for. 
you are entitled to abundance because you're a human being, period. It doesn't matter if you're Indian, black, white, brown, none of that matters. What you're not entitled is to think that you're better than other people. See, you, the moment you think you are entitled over someone else is the moment you simultaneously, means the same time, forfeit your entitlement to the universe's abundance. You can't hold both entitlements. You deserve, you, you are entitled. It is your birthright, abundance. Because the word abundance, the emotion of abundance, the emotion of abundance, it all says there's more than enough for everybody. And the moment that you put that entitlement and say, but Teha can't get it. Not yet, because I get it first. You're now saying it's not more than enough for everybody. And you're in poverty. You can't hold the two entitlements. If you are entitled to everything you want by birth, then you don't need to fight for it. And that's your problem. You fight too much. Some of you, I had to tell somebody this the other day, you only have happiness when you're fighting. That's not prosperity. That's not happiness. So I told you, what a divine connection has come in. If it's by birth, then it means you don't have to fight. It means everything that comes into your reality is a divine connection to serve the entitlement of you being able to live in full abundance. Therefore, some divine connections have a higher impact than others. But every divine connection is a divine connection. Listen, so don't look for the big ones because that's your problem. Because it's the little divine connections that are actually driving your life. It's not a divine connection that's going to save your marriage. It's not a divine connection that's going to save your finances. It's those little divine connections every day that will save your marriage, that will save your finances. I'm talking to somebody. Let me bless thee. Take out the word divine. Just say connections. And it's all divine. And that's our problem. We don't realize that, see, you view me as a divine connection for you, but you're also a divine connection for me. Do you understand? And the person down the street who hates me for no reason at all is a divine connection for me. And every time I encounter there, I need to be the divine in that connection, even if they don't want to be the divine for me. That reminds me of like they say, uh, watch who's you in your inner circle. 
because that's, that's gonna, you're gonna be the average of your five, I believe. That's right. That's facts. But see, some of y'all, you're so tough, you ain't got no inner circle because you're trying to do life by yourself. And that's why not only are you by yourself, it's why you only got one piece of abundance because you're by yourself. You cannot do life alone as much as we want to, as much as we want to claim to. Do you understand? Think about this. I got stuff to do. But y'all energy has said, wait, Antonio. Hold on just a little longer. I'm almost there. And right now, every last one of you are the most important thing that I have done all day. And the next time I go talk to somebody, they will be the most important thing that I have done all day. Abundance is your birthright. You're entitled to it. But the moment you try to cut it off for someone else, you forfeit the universe's abundance for yourself. So if you want to get over let me, let me read this again. I fear failing because I have to prove to my mom that I never needed her. That is saying, since I have to prove, the have to in itself says, universe, sorry, I'm going to throw off that abundance because I need the abundance over here in this lack. To my mom, okay, universe, sorry about all that. But as long as my mom says it's abundant, then it's abundant. So forget what you say. Help me out, somebody. That I never needed her. Yeah, because I'm better than her. And I'm going to show her. I'm going to show her I'm not going to raise my kids like that. I'm going to show her that I'm not going to treat her like that. And the universe says, well, yes, there you go. Go show her in poverty. You understand? Every time you do that, you say, I give back my birthright so I can go fight my mama. You understand? And that's, that's just my mama. I can fight my husband. I can fight my soulmate. I can fight my friend. I can fight my cousin. I can fight Trump. I can fight Modi. I can fight Johnson. I'm trying to hit every country, okay? <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to hit all the countries up, right? I can fight these people. You know, I don't I don't want an all Hindu nation, or I do want a Hindu nation. All these battles are you fighting abundance. Because abundance never had a label in the first place. There's no, there's no Christian abundance. I'm not, I'm not knocking no religion. I'm just saying there's no Christian abundance. There's abundance in Christianity. There's abundance in Hindu, right? Hinduism. But there's no, if you not black, you can't get abundance, or, right, <laughs> or from, you know, Bangalore. If you're not in Mumbai, you're not really Indian. Like, none of this stuff makes sense. 
abundance has no division, no separation, no anything. You are entitled to abundance and you don't have to fight for it. I would do y'all a huge service by telling all of you, when you disconnect from this device, don't fight. Don't fight. A billionaire told my financial advisor, he said, his name is Michael Tate, he says, Michael Tate, you need to be more present where your feet are. Think about that. How many of y'all are actually present where your feet are? Because many of you have heard me talk in the present and went to the past as some argument you was having with your mama or something. In this very conversation. <laughs> Be present where your feet are. Got me? You're not behind. You're not losing no money. Everything works out for you. If you stop trying to compete, I'm insanely competitive. But not the way you think. I'm the very best at whatever I do. That ain't got nothing to do with y'all. If I see Satish do something great on the internet, Grace will go, you see what he did, right? And I go, oh, he got me messed up. I'm not competing with Satish. I'm just saying he is outgrading, grading me, right? I done slacked up for five minutes. He done did something amazing. So let me step my game up because he didn't set the bar for the this next five minutes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't understand people who want second place. I can't relate. I don't even have good conversations with these people. I don't understand people like that. I have, I have nothing in common with them. I get confused, Satish. Say how I don't even know. I just, my ears want to fall off my head. When I hear them talk, I just don't even know what to do. So basically, you're saying try to outbeat you so we that's, can all grow. Man, that's what I do. If one of y'all do something great today and I see it, I will say to myself, oh, they got me messed up. I'm going to do greater than It has nothing to do with me competing with you. I'm just saying, if you in my vortex and you're doing amazing, and I didn't fool around and drink some coffee, I need to sit this coffee down and do amazing because amazing is apparently in the vortex and I'm slipping today. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is why I'm so competitive. Because like attracts like. And if you just did, if you just got a million dollars, I'm so happy for you. But you also got me messed up. Where's my million dollars? It's in this vortex somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because <laughs> if it's in my reality, it means it's also mine. That means I'm not vibrating at the frequency. I need to be patient. I need to vibrate. And I don't need to fight for it. Come to me. Anything else you want to say, Divya? Because I'm, I'm done. If you want to. I'm done. No, thank you. Thank you. I think that, that perfectly rounded up what I was just trying to get at. Thank you, Anthony. You're very welcome. Every Let me say the last words. So I won't keep you out too long. Everything is divine, and every person is divine connection. If you don't have the same amount of respect for the janitor, 
that you have for the CEO, you missing life. You are. You are. I have a 17-year-old, no, he's he's 18 now. I have an 18-year-old kid in Bangladesh that I just I find it so intriguing because I since the more I work with India and the more I work with Bangladesh, I can literally see the political divide, right? It's it's just it's there. It's like it's like America and Mexico. I can see that political divide. And he wants so bad to have the wealth of India. It's so bad. And a wealth like India, not the wealth of India. So bad. And he's doing everything he can. He's got a team around him. He's he's doing everything. And he sleeps outside in a, a steel hut. When the, and it's not even sealed all the way in. Right? It's just not. It's just, I, might show, I might show you a picture. He sleeps outside. He takes care of his sister and his mom. And from there, he does everything he can. And I want so much. These are my final words. I want so, so much to bring him into the greatness of what we're doing. So every time I get a chance, I send him some money with some job that we are doing here. Every chance I get, every single chance I get, I do it every single chance I get. Because he's just, he's just that awesome. Now, in the middle of everyone begging for money, here he is trying to earn it. Here he is trying to earn. I can't even bleep his name out. Let me see. I can't even bleep his name out. So it's all right. I want to show you something. This is my little Bangladesh friend. I already told Satisha about him. This is his sister. That's his mom. This is where they live. Y'all see that? Is it blown up? Can you can you not see outside from inside? Can y'all see that right there? Yeah, we can see it. All right, all right. It should it should inspire you and break your heart all at the same time, right? And he's just grinding for them. He's been working with me for two years. Now he's he's I mean he's he's doing everything he can to I just I'll just show you his page. He's doing everything he can to get out. Everything. Promotion, which is a lot. A lot of people over here do the podcast promotion and stuff. You know, you got some scammers and stuff. He's not one of them. This is this, this, this him right here. Young guy. Young guy. Young guy. Young guy. Right? He's doing everything he can to get out. And we, he works in four back and forth with me. I'm telling y'all, he's a divine connection for me. While it would seem like I'm helping him, that's not the way it works. He's helping me. He's helping me. Not only does he keep me focused, but every day I don't succeed, I am reminded where he is, 
and how I need to do better. Is this like I don't, I don't like. Please don't don't hear sympathy. I'm not looking down on him. I mean, you can hear empathy, but I'm 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 not even talking about that. Every day that I don't make this work, he reminds me why I'm doing what I do because I need to make it work. So I don't get to take a day off because I'm not fighting for fame. Or I'm not, when I say create 100,000 millionaires or $100 billion, ain't nobody worried about that. It's create 100,000 millionaires because people like him can bridge the gap between India and Bangladesh, can bridge the gap between America and Mexico, or at least bridge the damn gap in his house so you can't see outside from inside. At least do that. That that simple. That simple. That's where I'm at. That's divine connections. That's so the reason I had this meeting. I said moving forward well, because I've been looking out at all of us, and we ain't been moving forward well as a collective. I'll be looking. That's why. That's why. I, these daily meetings are determined by what I'm looking at. You understand? So let's go hit the target well. As you disconnect from this call, here's your challenge. I want you to do one thing. Don't fight. Just don't. Just expect that next year you will not recognize your life. You will have that much abundance. Just, just expect it. Don't believe it. You ain't got to write on the wall if you don't want to. You ain't got to. You ain't got to chant it every morning. Just when you disconnect from this call, get into the vibration that next year at this time, you're gonna be able to tell yourself, "I told you." None of you will recognize your lives one year from now. For some of you who've been catching this. One week from now, you're going to start seeing a massive change. Nobody can ever uncreate what you create. From your mouth to God's ears. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can't play better. You can dominate. All right, everybody. See you at 12, 1-ish, 2-ish, whatever your time zone is. Have a good one. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1%. And they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money, and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now, and they all want to learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires, right now. 
So if you think becoming a billionaire is, a, is impossible, there's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you want to go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk? How do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family. My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today. Not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, 
your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually, for me, to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is, I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10 extra retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I wanna send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, 
I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost, I'll take the loss, and all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate.